0: Howdy, local church family. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to our online church. I say howdy because I was away this last weekend with my family. and I listened to a bunch of country music. Okay, it was great. So now you're a cowboy, basically. Doesn't my does my personality not already scream cowboy? Uh,
1: it screams urban cowboy. Urban cowboy. That's Just, the goal. You
0: know, that's absolutely that's what you're trying 100%. to hit. 100. And you know, infused with a bit of surfer, a little bit. Just a little bit. Uh, I was trying to sneak uh, that, that one in a little that, bit. He, that, we got some. He does. These guys in the room. Bro. What? Into the cowboy. Calbro. Calbro.
1: Calbro. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to local church. Um, if you're still here, yeah. please comment that you didn't just I'll jump, jump yeah. after that. That needs to stay. All seconds. of that needs to stay. Yeah.
0: Hundred um, percent. We're glad you guys are here. Yes. Welcome to our online church virtual reality experience because when you sign into local church, it's an experience like no other.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's
0: good. (laughs) Oh man. It's going to be a great day in church. We're (laughs) going to kick it off. We're gonna kick it off with some worship. We are having fun at local church. It's what we do. Yeah. It's a core value. Local online. It should be a core value. Local online is. core value, 100%. It
1: actually is a core value.
0: Let's pray kind of as we go into worship. Isaac, to you. Let me pray.
1: Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for another Sunday that yeah, that's we get good. to come uh, online and, and worship you. Lord, we just pray that every person watching that in, in that room mm-hmm. that they're watching from that you would just fill the place. Um, fill their hearts and that they would just yes, um, meet you during this worship time. Bless us in your name. Amen. Amen. Go worship.
2: never left you all the times he's there standing open-armed
0: Thank you, worship team. So great. We love worshiping together as a church. Yes. It is so good to be with you guys online. We have some yes. things that we need to loop people into. Yeah,
1: I thought you going to say get off our chest. I <laughs> <laughs> have some things, I just have have some things just, that I
0: feel like we need to share. Yeah, like it's on my heart.
1: Next week we're online only.
0: Online just only. Be
1: no in-person service next week because it is Labor Day. Come on. And we're all getting rid of all of our white clothes because
0: you can't wear white, you don't after, wear white labor day. after labor day. What do we know what that uh like originates from? The origin story of I the I think Henry
1: Ford. Okay. Yeah, most things do. So <laughs> no in person service next Sunday and then the following Sunday there's
0: none because we are at camp! local church camp 2022 is happening September 9th through 11th at Silver Lake Wesleyan camp. If you search those words or something like that, the camp will pop up. I don't know if that's exactly where it is, but it's going to be an amazing weekend, bro. Yep. We got worship, yep. we've got games, yes. we've got word, yep. we've got hangs, we've got just everything that you could, you think of anything, Yeah. we're going to have it at camp. <laughs> and you just need to make sure that you're there. And it only costs $190. For food, accommodations, everything. So make sure that you sign up. It's not too late. Get to
1: camp. You can still get there. You can still get there. When you are watching this right now, it's five days away.
0: I would imagine that a link would probably appear at this moment in the chat. I don't know if that's possible. Maybe a link on the screen. Chris, I know I've seen you do one of these. And it just appears on the screen. Did I just create 10 more minutes of work for you? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Make sure you're at camp. It's time to give. We didn't talk about who's gonna do it. You want me to do it? No, it's
1: great. Your transitions are just on point. It's time to give. <laughs> uh, That's
0: how my brain works, dude. Like I think of one thing immediately to the next. <laughs> okay,
1: so there's gonna be some uh, some ways to give that are, are gonna pop up on the screen right now. Um, if you uh, have have any questions about giving. Feel free to reach out to, there's hosts in the chat um, and you can ask about that. Um, But yeah, we're a giving church, we believe in the tithe, we believe in um, giving back to God, we believe that um, this local church is such an important part of um, our community in Ottawa, and then also just the way that our church is able to impact, um, you know, many things around the world it's true. Uh, that just giving side is, is such an important thing for us to do. So, uh, yeah, you can do
0: that. Sweet. The many ways that are on the screen, the many ways. I love it. Onto the word on to the word. We have Nadia preaching today. It's going to be amazing. Make sure you lean in, take notes. We're getting ready for camp. This is a message that is going to set us up. It's going to yes. be incredible. Nadia,
3: Take it away. To you. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Online Church. It is so good to have you with us today. And uh, we have been in a series. I know that Jaden spoke last week about friendships. Um, and this week, I'm really excited to share from Luke. But we're basically just starting to lead up into camp, which we are so excited about. I know that we've been talking about it a lot, but it is really going to be a special moment for us as a church to just gather, to be together for a good few days um, and really just invest into our spiritual um, journey with the Lord, into our soul, into friendships, into serving one another. And uh, Levi and I and our board are really believing that this is going to be a significant time for us as a church and as individuals. So if you're not signed up, I do encourage you Do everything that you can to be there and not just for a moment, try and get out there for the whole time. The point is that we are together um, for a good few days, because then you're not having to kind of like pick up off where you left off. It's like we are immersed in it, we're there together, solid time together in relationship in fellowship in time with the Lord. And so um, it would just be so cool for anyone who calls themselves a part of our church family, a part of local, to come and be a part of camp. And so I'm continuing on with that series today. And as I said, we're going to jump in to the book of Luke. Uh, And specifically, Luke 22, verse 24 to 27, it says this. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them, this is the disciples, as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Such a classic conversation. Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. You are not to be like them. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, remembering that the youngest was the last to eat, the last to bathe, the last to get blessing, should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who's greater, the one who's at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table, as we know it to be? But I am among you, Jesus says, as one who serves. Today, my message, if you are taking notes, is called the greatest among you is not who you think the greatest among you is not who you think let's pray and dive into this message today father we thank you for your presence we thank you for your word and we thank you for um, the possibility of being a part of a church family a part of a faith community and lord i just pray that you would speak through this message today that as we unpack this scripture and and your word. Father, that there would be truths found in there that would build into our faith journey, into our relationship with you, and into our relationship with one another, especially as we head into um, our very first camp this year. Father, I pray that you would um, bless every person who is watching. I pray that your Holy Spirit would come right now and fill the homes of every person who is watching, connect, with them god that they wouldn't just sit and just enjoy a hopefully good sermon um, and time and fellowship together and time in worship but god that you would speak to us in jesus mighty name and every person said amen amen i remember when i got my first job i was 14 years old and i was really excited to get this job i'm sure that we all remember our very first job i'll never forget sitting down in the the office with um, the man who ran the supermarket. I got my very first job at our local supermarket and I was thrilled, I was so excited and I remember feeling so nervous as I was sitting there being interviewed as a 14 year old girl trying to prove that I could indeed work at the supermarket. Uh, I remember getting the phone call saying that I had got the job and I was just beyond excited. When I first started that job, I was on an hourly rate of $4.25. How crazy is that? How the world has changed, my friends. And I just remember being elated. I think I worked uh, something like three or four nights a week and I earned $60. Uh, And at the time, that just felt like the most exciting thing in the world. But um, when I came on staff for the supermarket, it was pretty cool because I came on staff as a deli girl, a deli girl. I don't know if there are any other brothers and sisters out there who were deli girls or guys, but there was something about being a part of the deli team at the supermarket that almost felt like I had an elite role at the supermarket. It was as though um, i was just a part of almost a fraternity within the supermarket where it was like i'm not on checkout and i'm also not packing shelves i am a deli girl and working in the deli was great working in the deli was different because people were very polite i don't know why i don't know why it was that they would politely stand there patiently waiting for me to say, hello, ma'am, hello, sir, what can I get for you today? But there was never an issue. It was very unlikely that someone would stand there kind of like shouting abuse or giving you um, the side eye or getting bad glances. They would stand, they would wait, and they would be polite as I would ask them what they would want, they would politely respond with exactly, you know, 100 grams of shaved ham. Of course, I can get that for you. And it was always so amazing when I would like, try and get 100 grams of shaved ham and I'd put it on the weights and it was bang on, 100 grams, there was something in me that was like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm the best deli girl in the world. And I would I would wait for them to be like, oh wow, you got it, bang on 100 grams. Anyway, that's actually not relevant to this preaching message but it was a nice place to be within the supermarket. It was lovely, it was, I, I enjoyed serving the people. But then one day they were low on checkout staff and I'll never forget it, it was just different. I went over to checkout, jumped in, was pretty excited, was thinking to myself this is gonna be an awesome experience and oh my gosh, my whole life changed. It was as though there was like a morphing of humanity as they would come through into the supermarket, they would quickly come to the deli because it's usually semi-close to the entrance. But it was like as people maneuvered through the supermarket, something changed in them, something shifted. And honestly, my life changed in that moment as well. Maybe it was the music. I don't know, maybe people got frustrated because there were no clear exits. Maybe people were irritated that there was no clock. I'm not sure what took place, but my goodness, when people would get to the checkout, they were just different, and there was hell to pay if, for example, an item didn't scan properly and I had to key in And you know those barcodes, they're like really long. It's just stupid. I don't know why they are that long. Maybe it's because there are literally thousands of items in the supermarket, so I guess it makes sense. But if you got to the point where something wasn't scanning and you had to type in the barcode, oh my lord. Like, you were about to get the smackdown of eye stare from any person who made it to the checkout, no matter how kind that person was, if you had to start punching in those numbers, hell was on its way. I remember I moved on to bigger and better things. I got a job at my brother's cafe and I was a barista. And baristas, I don't know if you know this, but in New Zealand are pretty well respected. People love a good barista. And so actually myself and Levi, we were baristas together. And so, you know, there was just that like love, love it, the barista machine. And we would make coffees together. He would do the coffee shot and I would do the milk. Um, and my, mo- my milk was like, smooth these smoothest milk you get all the pretty pictures and all of that it was great it was awesome being a barista was great because customers would walk by and they would nod politely and at the end of the day I think they knew or even just had a feeling like if I um you know am grumpy towards the barista they might make me a bad coffee and so there was a sense again like we were protected from um just the, the the pettiness of an unhappy customer. They wanted their coffee to be good and so they would be kind towards the barista. But man, on the days where you had to be a waiter because they were short staffed, watch out. Everything changed. You would go and you'd be smiling and you'd be wanting to serve people but man, if you got even the slightest order wrong. If something came out not on time or if they didn't come together, the worst was when someone would order an English breakfast and for us that meant a cup of tea and would bring out English breakfast tea and they were like, where is my food? Literally, they had been ordering an English breakfast, which I think is like eggs and something else and maybe an English scone, I'm not sure, but man, those days were particularly bad. I say all of that to say this, most of us, if not all of us, at some point in time have had some kind of experience with serving others and most of us, if not all of us, have experienced just how, and I say this in the kindest of ways, just how rude, entitled, mean, angry, and petty humanity can truly be. And yet here we have this picture, this amazing picture that the scripture lays out for us. The disciples, bless their souls, are arguing about who is the greatest. Honestly, classic guys. If you hang out with a group of lads long enough, they're chatting about who's the fastest, who's the tallest, Who's got the biggest wingspan? Like, this kind of thing just doesn't come up in conversations when I'm with my girlfriends. We don't don't sit there being like, my wingspan is six feet and it's slightly bigger, slightly taller than how tall I actually am. You know, all of these conversations, the, the wingspan, who's the smartest, who's the funniest? And unlike girls, they actually want to figure that out and allow themselves to be really disappointed by the outcome. And so you can just imagine for a moment, uh, this this moment taking place where the disciples are arguing about who is the greatest. I mean, just brilliant. You're literally sitting with God. You're sitting with the son of man, like you're sitting with your teacher and they're arguing who's the greatest, Just, just brilliant. And Jesus' answer is even better. He says, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over people, their greatness, they lord it over people. And those who exercise authority over themselves call themselves benefactors. They benefit off of the people because of their position, because of their status. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, which I mentioned before, it does not get a whole lot. And the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? And our answer to that usually would be the one who is at the table. And certainly humanity would lead us to believe that it is the one who is at the table, that they have the control, that they have the ability to cause people to feel a certain way. Um, Then he goes on to say, is it not the one who is at the table? In this world it is. But then he finishes with this, but I am among you as one who serves. He gives this backwards as usual answer and picture of who is the greatest. And it's not who we think and if you're taking notes you can write down this first thought today he says through this wonderful analogy point number one if you're taking notes today that serving others is the greatest position at the table that serving others is the greatest position at the table and I love that picture I love the picture of the table. I love the fact that the table is where humanity comes together, that there is honest conversation, that the table is where you are fed, the table is where you essentially receive, and yet Jesus is saying, the one sitting and receiving, that he is not the greatest, she is not the greatest. It is the one who is Serving, and the reason why we're kind of talking about this, I guess, in the lead into camp, um, in the lead into this time together, is not so that we can just encourage people to serve the church or, or whatever it might be, but really, what camp is all about is it's def- it's a time for us to get away and really start to talk about what does it look like for us to be a church to be disciples, to be people who are on fire for Jesus, to be people who, as Jesus talks about, serves one another, who is not looking to simply benefit. The church is not just there for us to benefit off one another. The church is there that we may serve one another. We say this often, but the kingdom of God is so backwards to this world. Um, In a world that would say the greatest position is the one who has achieved the most, the one who is um, most well-known, the one who is the most affluent, the one who is the most um, influential, etc., etc., the list goes on. Jesus himself shares a different, unique, kingdom, Christian perspective for you and I that we need to continually come back to now here's the thing with the rise um, today in in christianity that is against celebrity culture which is great we're learning so much over the last few years we've been learning so much as a church churches are shifting churches are changing we're um starting to prioritize globally this is taking place we're starting to prioritize the right things we're getting a, a much healthier um, a hierarchy of values which is amazing but I think in the midst of it you and I can believe that we're sorted now like we understand who the greatest is. We understand that to serve is to be the greatest. We understand that reaching for the stars and trying to be this or that or that is not how we want to roll. We think that we understand. The problem with that is that we can believe it so much that we start to get bad at it. That we push it aside and no longer try to continue to be those who serve and i just believe that we have still got a way to go i also as just a a side note i also kind of believe that in trying to make sure that we don't have a celebrity culture within the church um, and and the unhealthy sense of honor that we had in the church there's almost a pendulum swing that is taking place that might also be unhealthy You and I are called to honor each other, but we don't honor because you're up here and I'm down here. We honor one another because we all have something to offer the kingdom. We all have something to offer. We all have something that God has called us towards good works, and we honor each other. We honor each other by standing beside one another. And so when it comes to our belief that we are there now, that we understand, no, 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 I understand kingdom principles, I just think that we've still got a way to go because we still want for the lifestyle of people we see on Instagram. Otherwise, a bunch of us wouldn't be on it. Rather than um, the way Paul taught us to live, which was to live a life practicing our faith. We've been talking so much about that, being Christians who, You know, I guess, I guess in the, you could call it, the evolution, I'm not sure, the evolution of Christianity and our journey as believers. You know, we've gone from um, the Desert Fathers where they were just so monastic and they practiced their faith and they were finding contentment in all of that and moved it along so much and there's so much wonderful stuff that has come from that journey. We, we cannot be those people who just go, Ugh, it's yuck, and then move on. We've got to find and learn all of the wonderful lessons that we can from it. And we've also got to return to some of those original things. And so we think that we have got it figured out that we are sorted, that we're no longer glamorizing a certain celebrity culture. But in doing so, we've still got to remember that we push away the things of this world that we still want in our hearts, and we start to go after God through our practices, practices of our faith. That That, that is what leads to contentment, being devoted disciples of Christ, and yet we still glorify what the, what the world glorifies. We still put certain people on pedestals. We still allow envy to invade our hearts. We still manipulate things to get what we want in order to feel great. And yet Jesus, the God-man, our rabbi, is so clearly teaching us and we have got to remember that we are never there. We've got to remember that there is always something to learn. We have got to stop saying this is you and not me. It is all of us, and we all need to remember that Jesus, he is the man who didn't have a home, who didn't have all the stuff, and because his life wasn't consumed with all of the stuff, he had the ram and the ability to continually make his life about others. He was the one who washed the feet of his disciples. He is the one who came to serve and not to be served. He is the one who drank the cup of all of our sins, That, my friend, is service. That is not just a miracle, that's not just a breakthrough for our faith, that is service. Levi, while we were away, had this amazing illustration and he said, imagine, like, I can't even imagine drinking the cup of my sins from today. Jesus did that. I can't imagine drinking the cup of my sins for the week. Jesus did that in service to us, let alone drinking the cup of all of humanity's sins, and yet he did it. And he says to us, kings lord their greatness, their position over people. Those who exercise authority benefit off of others, but you are not to be like that. I love how clear he is here. I love it because usually I feel like Jesus invites us into a whole lot in our lives. He invites us into relationship with him. He invites us to spend time with him. He invites us into new seasons or new callings. Jesus is a real invitational kind of guy. He loves the invitation, but here with the disciples, with people who are saying, we want to be like you, We want to follow you. We want to get real about this Christian journey. He is not inviting. He is commanding. And it is the same for you and me, my friends. That we are not Lord over. That we are not those who benefit from others. But that we, like him, serve. For that is, in the kingdom of God, the greatest position at the table. It's the greatest position at the table. Everything, it's like tenet, it's inverted. We, we in this world believe that when we reach a certain point, when we have certain affluence, when we're whatever it is, that that's like, yeah, amazing. And Jesus comes and he says actually, the greatest at the table is the one who serves. It's the one who serves. And remember, The people who were the ones who were supposed to believe what Jesus believed were the ones who turned on him. One thing I've learned is that it's often, and I say this again, this challenging, challenging word, but one thing I've learned is that it's often Christians who are the hardest people to serve. It really is. It's often our own brothers and sisters who are the hardest people to serve. I love serving my non-Christian family and friends? Why? Because they don't expect it from me. There's not that sense of expectation, but for us as Christians, man, sometimes we hold unreasonably high expectations and standards of one another, and my goodness, fail to do things in the way that I see fit, and we will crucify, just like we did with him. It was in their own righteousness, remember, in their own righteousness that the Pharisees and Sadducees wanted Christ crucified, and yet he still died for it all. You know, we have to be really careful as Christians not to point the finger continually. When it comes to serving, we need to apply it to our own lives and stop being consumed by believing other people should be serving us. It's, it's not Christ-like. We've got to stop judging others or um, being frustrated by others because we might look and go, oh, that's not very Christ-like. We need to address ourselves, take responsibility for ourselves. And so let me challenge you, if at any point during this point right now, you were like, oh man, yeah, this is a real message for this person, man, has got to shift because this is a message for me it's a message for you it's a message for all of us otherwise we want to crucify our own brothers and sisters missing out on the fact that it's actually for us we need to be those who serve and we cannot give up on love we cannot give up we cannot look around and like I said sometimes the hardest environment to serve in is within the church Sometimes the hardest people to serve are our Christian brothers and sisters, but like Jesus, we cannot give up on love. We cannot give up on serving one another because in serving one another, we are serving the Lord. And so we know as Christians that we are to serve, which leads me to my second point today, if you're taking notes. Point number two is that it's up to us if we will be used for this special purpose. It's up to us whether we will be used for this special purpose. Second 2 Timothy 2.14, it's a wonderful, wonderful illustration of us as people. Um, and it's been coming up a little bit over the last, I guess, month or so in our church and, and through, the, through the ministry of our church. And whenever that takes place, I'm always like, okay, we actually need to stop and really just kind of dive into the scripture because obviously God is trying to communicate something with us. Uh, The scripture says this, in a large house there are articles not only of gold and silver but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves of the latter, those who cleanse themselves of common use, will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master and prepared to do any good work. Um, I'm fascinated by vessels, I love vessels, Uh, I I love homewares, and I love figuring out how was this vessel made, what is this vessel made from, Um, what is its purpose, I'm all about it. Uh, and in particular for me, I'm drawn to pottery and clay, not only because um, that illustration or that analogy is used so often through the Bible in reference to us as humans, in reference to us as people. We know the scripture where it's, it talks about God being the potter and we are the clay that we were brought up from the mud. That is how we were created. We, The, the thought, the idea of, of clay is right through The Bible and so for me I'm I'm drawn to what that means for you and I and it's one of the things that I studied and I want to kind of talk through the steps of the clay because it really for me paints a picture of the fact that we are Christians now called to serve 100% but we also go on a journey of the refiner's fire, I guess is what you could call it, this beautiful journey of sanctification that we go on as we journey to become healthier vessels, as we journey to become stronger vessels. And and the reason I wanna talk about it is because sometimes on that journey, things can get tough and things can get hard and we can lose um, the passion for our mission, which is to serve that when we become Christians, we become people who are called to serve. That is, that we are like Christ, not here to be served, but to serve. Along the journey of becoming an even better servant, the ultimate servant. And so I wanna dive into the steps of a piece of clay coming up out of the ground and really being used for a special kind of purpose. And of course, that special purpose is when it's able to hold on to the water and pour out upon others. The first thing that has to happen is obviously you get found, found in the ground. You can't have a piece of clay unless you get it up out of the ground. And so we are all taken up out of the ground and God finds us, he finds us and in our darkness, in our dark places and he lifts us up out of the miry clay. And then we have to get pounded and mixed this this part fascinates me. It's awesome because every potter, when you when you've taken that clay, you you every piece of clay that has been in the ground has got layers and layers of what we call memories. And here's the cool thing: unless it is has like gone through the ringer, I'm talking like slammed down, mixed around, like full on, just like a rejigging, a reforming, the clay. No matter what shape you fashion it into, if it has not gone through that process of the pounding and mixing, it is always going to want to go back to its old shape. Isn't that so fascinating? A picture of you and I that when we're taken out of our old life, unless we are just like those memories and those ways of thinking and and the ways we used to do things and that sin that entangled us, unless that is all just kind of like, boom, out of there, we're going to want to go back to our old life, our old way of doing things, but we are a new creation. Then um, it has to be molded by the potter's hand, by the potter's hand and with his water with his Holy Spirit, with his presence. It's a beautiful picture. The fact that God would even want to take us and turn us into something that is useful is such, we should stop, we should pause, we should be grateful. Every day we can be grateful, we can have gratitude because we were the worst of the worst. And yet this amazing savior, he comes and he finds us and he says, I'm not just going to lift you out of the miry clay, I'm going to form you and and, and turn you into the best you that you can possibly be. Our God is so good. Then the third thing that takes place is that we get set aside. The, the, the vessel, once it is formed, has to be set aside on the drying shelf so that it can dry out all of the impurities, chemical impurities that are still stuck on the inside of the actual vessel itself. It goes onto the shelf to dry out all of those impurities so that by the time it hits the fire, it is going to be pure enough to withstand the heat. And there's something in there for all of us that we can all learn. That even when we feel like we've been put out to dry, even when we feel like all of those promises and all of those dreams all of the things that we pictured maybe for our christian journey maybe you had a prophecy one day um maybe you had a dream in your heart and there's come a time a season like we're talking about there are seasons on the journey where you just feel as though you're just serving you're just doing church you're just doing the thing but it feels dry and you feel like God has kind of forgotten you, that season is intentional and there is something wonderful taking place. There is a preparation in our hearts, in our lives, in our souls, in our spirit that is taking place, that is getting us prepared and ready to be that special vessel used for special purposes, holy and ready to do good work. So let me encourage you, if that's you today, don't be discouraged. Don't ever believe that God has abandoned you because he never abandons us. And then of course, there's the fourth step or the fifth step. And that is to be put through the fire, to be put in the kiln. And it's there that we're strengthened. It's in that fire that we are strengthened enough to be able to then be people who pour out, who not not only serve, not only used as serving ware, but people who can carry the water of the Holy Spirit and pour out onto others. You know, unless it goes through, unless the clay goes through these steps, it will be a vessel that's pretty to look at, but will be useless to use. Pouring out into the lives of others, overflow, instruments, for special purposes, useful to the master. Serving others is the goal. But we must understand that it's a journey and it's a journey of obedience, but that the serving should never stop. It's a journey of seasons. But throughout those seasons, let me encourage you that we should always be looking to serve. We should all, and I'm not just talking, I'm not just talking about like getting on a people care team or getting on a worship team, or getting on the hospitality team. I'm talking about living a life where your, where your stance, where your position is one to serve, not looking to be someone who has others serving them, benefiting from others, benefiting from those around us, but looking to serve. He has made perfect those who are being made holy. We hold this beautiful tension in our Christian journey of the finished work of Christ in us. Finished work. He has made holy. We have been sanctified. We have been saved by his grace, and therefore, in stepping into that journey, we look to serve, but it goes on to say that we are still out working that finished work that Christ did, like what? That makes no sense. But it's the ongoing work of the spirit in our lives. But throughout that whole journey, you know, I, I, I watch and I myself have been a part of this, but so often it's easy to just get so consumed with ourselves that we just give up on people we give up on looking to serve others and i'm going to get to the third point which really i think is going to help us um to create the boundaries in our lives so that we can actually live from overflow i realize that for so many of us we actually just get dry because we've been trying to serve from the wrong place that's a whole different thing but if we have got to a point where we're not wanting to serve people we have we've got to ask a bigger question than simply just giving up than simply just being annoyed then simply um, letting go of the goal and the goal is to serve we decide to be vessels of special purpose we decide it no one else can decide it for you when we continue to push towards that which christ instructed in every season that we are in and just like the journey of clay, just like the journey of that vessel, we choose whether in each season we are still going to serve. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. Serve others, Jesus said. Not here to be served, but to serve and to love. And not just to love the family or the friends that are easy to love, not just to serve the family and friends, those around us that are easy to serve. Not just to say, well, that person sucks at serving and you know this is a great message for them. But to look at ourselves and really recognize where we are at and to ask the bigger question of why we may feel dry. Why we may feel as though we can no longer serve those around us. Which leads me to my third and final point today. As we wrap this up. You can tell I'm a bit jet lagged today. Eh? Like, wrap it up. Who does that? <laughs> Not me. Um, point number three is that when the right thing flows in, the right thing flows out. When the right thing flows in, the right thing flows out. And and really, that's the coming together of these two points. Where if you're going through seasons where you just feel like you can't, and listen, there are always going to be. Um, moments in our lives or times in our lives you might be dealing with some um you know it's it's kind of becoming a language that everybody is using and, I, and i'm still trying to figure out how i feel about it but what i do know is that it is important to deal with things like childhood trauma or um uh you know spiritual abuse that may have taken place whatever it might be of course there are gonna be times I remember deciding that I was going to have a year of healing and very much so I was just having very clear boundaries of how much I was giving out because I really was looking to have a season where I needed to look after my soul, look after me, really heal. Um, and I commend every person who, who decides to do that. However, we we have to recognize the, the line Of where we have just become so about self in those seasons that we are actually shifting away from our Christianity of service to others of serving those around us and I believe that this point really will help us to be the kind of people who know where that line is who know hey okay good I've had a season for me now it's time to get back to my Christianity which is that he came to serve and not to be served. And that we are not to be like those who simply benefit of those around us, who, who enjoy greatness. We are to be the opposite. We are to be people who serve. And that is, I'll say it again, when the right things flow in, the right things flow out. It's a really um, important scripture that illustrates this. And it's found in John 4 verse five through to 26, so stay with me um, throughout the reading of this scripture, and it's where Jesus talks to a Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. Says this, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, the well that he dug way back in the day, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, it was about noon. you would have asked him and he would have given you living water, living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the, and the well is deep. I just love that. She's taking a few moments to click on. Uh, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Powerful, powerful scripture, and one that's so important for us when we're talking about this whole idea or this whole practice as a Christian of serving. It says, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I will give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them, in them, a spring of water welling up to eternal life the woman said to him sir give me this water so that i won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water have to keep coming because i'm i'm like coming to this place because i'm so thirsty and i have to draw water he told her i love jesus he told her go call your husband and come back just introduces this topic into um, the conversation. She says, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is that you have had five husbands and the man you are now with is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. We're gonna jump down to verse 25 where it says, the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. She goes off, evangelizes to her whole town, and they basically come to know Jesus. Just an incredible story of a woman who is continually thirsty and an illustration for us of going to places, of receiving from places and not being full. And then she meets Jesus. She gets what she needs from Jesus and goes back and serves the people of her town. She shares the story, she organizes them all getting together. A beautiful, beautiful picture. The other part of this um, scripture that's really interesting is she talks about her husbands. Jesus talks about the husbands that she had. She had five husbands. She's now with the sixth man. And Jesus, I've heard it in many preaching illustrations and I still think it's pretty awesome. Jesus, they would call him the seventh man. He is the seventh man in this amazing analogy, this amazing picture. Seven in numerology in the Bible representing completeness, completeness. That when we have Jesus in our lives, that when we have the living water, the the water that comes, that wells up on the inside of us, that we are complete, Here's my thought for us as we kind of wrap this up today. When your needs are met by Jesus, you have room to serve others, not just have others serve you. When you learn to have appropriate inputs in your life, you learn to have healthy outputs. You can serve. Whenever I'm sitting down with someone and they're just like, I'm just, I just don't have anything left. It's one of two things usually. It's, it's like there's something um, really going on, like we discussed earlier, where it's like, okay, let's actually address this and I'm not going to help you address it personally because I'm not a therapist, but this is what's going on. This is where the kind of like core of the issue is. Or I would say is that we have been having the wrong inputs, therefore having a lack of output. We haven't been filling ourselves or had the appropriate inputs in our lives in order to be those who can serve. But it can be too easy to get what you want, what you need from the people around you. And as Christians, we must understand boundaries especially in the church. Just like I said, we can be some of the worst people to serve because the expectations are so high that we have for one another. So too, we can be the worst people at boundaries because we're expecting that we would get what we need from the people around us because we're a faith community and we love one another and we serve one another. Well, no, we are there to serve each other but we must understand boundaries, and boundaries being we need to know who we receive from, who we take from. Your spouse, for example, your spouse, if you have one, your partner, won't give you what only Jesus can give you. Sometimes there are moments where I might be frustrated in my marriage, and it's very small amounts because Levi perfect husband and I, of course, am the perfect wife. We never have issues. But there are moments where I might be upset, I might be frustrated, I might be um, consumed with like, oh, if only, if only, um, you know, if only he could wipe down the kitchen counter, well, that's not really something Jesus can fulfill for me, is it? But you know what I'm talking about? And I realize, man, I am expecting of Levi what I can only get from God, what I can only get from Christ. Levi is not going to provide for me rest for my soul. And if I'm trying to squeeze that out from him, that is unfair. It's unfair on him, it's unfair on our kids. I cannot receive from my kids what I need to receive from God. And guess what that's called? Boundaries. Understanding that if I am to have an output, I need the right inputs. In a similar way, your friends cannot give you what your spouse gives you. Again, that's just a boundary. Um, I mean a boundary in more ways than one, but Sometimes, and and, and we we see it in relationships where there might be something taking place in a marriage and so that person might be expecting that from their friends, but their friends don't know how to give that to them. And again, it's unfair. And in the Christian world, where we're all expected to be kind and to love one another, that is only going to work if we can have boundaries. And if we don't have boundaries, we're going to quickly find ourselves not wanting to serve and more than that, not able to serve. And not because of some deep issue on the inside, but simply because We are craving from those around us things that we should not be craving. In a similar way, your pastor cannot, me, I just mentioned it before, but your pastor cannot give you what your therapist gives you. I'm not a trained therapist. I've been in ministry for almost 20 years. I love reading the word of God. I can share with you what God would say about it. I can We can talk about the things of the spirit and of the Bible, but when it comes to understanding the brain and how the chemicals in the brain works and how the connection between your heart and the way you're thinking and childhood trauma, all of that kind of thing, That is something that your therapist is going to help you with, and I simply cannot do it. In a similar way, your therapist cannot give you what your pastor or your discipleship mentor will give you. Jesus demonstrated for us his awareness of going to the Father, of going to the Father for what he needed in order to serve, and we need to be the same. We need to know who we go to in order to receive what we need so that we can serve. Think about it, he's about to drink the cup that I mentioned earlier, so disgusting, so gross, full of our sin, and he comes to the Father. He doesn't go to the disciples saying, please help me with this cup. He doesn't go to the disciples and be like, man, this cup of sin, it's so gross, how about we all take sips of it because it would make it so much easier. He knows who he needs to go to. He goes to the Father and he prays that prayer, not my will, but your will be done. And in that moment, he is strengthened for the mission. He is strengthened to serve. The disciples, his friends were around him and they would have supported him, maybe been a part of the source of his encouragement and strength. But he knew that in that moment when he needed to serve humanity, he went to the Father. And as a side note, just for all of my single friends out there, Jesus demonstrates also for us that you can serve well and live a full life and a serving life, not needing of another by living that single life that he lived, as does, by the way, the apostle Paul. As individuals, we must take responsibility for who we are drawing from, in order to serve well. Listen, if you're finding it hard to serve and if you're upset that other people aren't serving you, perhaps it's time to ask yourself the question, who am I drawing from? What is the living well on the inside of me? What is the condition of that living well and have I truly reached a point where I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it is through the Lord that I am strengthened, that it is in Christ that I find all that I need. Ask yourself the question, are there boundaries in your world that you are breaking? Because you're a part of a Christian community and it's all love and we all just give to one another. When we get to that point where we start taking each other for granted, where we start, like this scripture says, benefiting off others. Because of that expectation we have, that's when it can become a little bit like Lord of the Flies. And there can be an unhealthiness that creeps in to any church family. As individuals, we've got to take responsibility for ourselves. You know, the scripture, I love it. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. You know, it's so interesting, and um, Levi preached this just recently at Hillsong in London, where he talked about how from Jesus' side flowed blood, but also flowed water. A, A once and for all sanctification for us through the blood of Jesus we are saved and he is our savior. With the water being the ongoing sanctification. That when we have a river flowing on the inside, the river of the Holy Spirit, and that is what we drink from, going to Jesus for what we need, then we can continue to be sanctified. We can continue to be made holy, useful for the Father that we would continue to be useful, that we would be useful from the moment that we become Christians because we are able to recognize that he came to serve and not to be served. And so you and I too step into that place and say, man, unlike what the world has to offer, I'm not going to be the one constantly fed at the table, but I choose to be the one who serves, that we make that decision in that moment, but that we continue through the living water that the Holy Spirit offers us, that we continue to be strengthened, that we continue to be made holy, that we continue to be sanctified, no matter what season we may find ourselves in, as long as the right thing is flowing in, and so the right thing is flowing out. Like the scripture says, those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes made holy, useful to the master and prepared to do any good work. Made holy in the moment, and continuing to be made holy, useful for any good work. It's through the pursuit of holiness that we find ram for servanthood. The pursuit of holiness, spending time with God, being with Him, not being in want, finding contentment, being good to those around us, that we find the ram that we need to continue to serve others. And really as we head into this camp, which is more like as we head into a time where we really talk about who we are as a church, what we're trying to achieve, what we're doing here, as Christian disciples, what what is it that God is calling us to? Man, yes, we wanna make good friends at this camp, Yes, we want to have expectation to encounter God in a real way, but man, you and I, we made a decision, we're here to serve those around us, not simply by joining a team, but living a lifestyle in service to God's people, to people in need, to those who still don't know the love of Christ. Serving others is the greatest position at the table. It is up to us whether we will be used for this special purpose, whether we are willing through every season to continue to move towards that goal of continuing to be someone who serves. And then when the right thing flows in, the right thing flows out. Too many of us for too long have just simply looked for the right inputs, sorry the wrong inputs, have, have served out of the wrong thing and it's time for us to adjust and it's in that adjustment it's in the looking for that living water that we will find the energy the love the patience that we need to really serve each other and that is our prayer for us as a church that we would recognize hey it's actually not easy but god never said this was going to be easy it's certainly not a walk in the park but god never said it was a walk in the park He said that we would face trials and challenges of many kinds. But it's when we all together, united, decide that we will serve one another, and that's that sweet spot. That's that space where we go, wow, this is just a little taste of the kingdom of God. This is just a little taste of that backwards life where we don't stand here, we're not a part of this to be served. But that united together we all come into this church family, into this space, into this life as a disciple to serve. Let me pray for you. And let me pray for me. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray, Father, that although this is a challenging word, Lord, that we would also be encouraged. Father, I pray that there would be a part of this message um, that would really land in our hearts and that would encourage us to move forward that would encourage us maybe to um, step out and serve again that would encourage us to trust that would help us to realize perhaps that maybe for some of us we have simply been looking for the wrong inputs and just to make that course correction that adjustment so that we could be a people we could be christians who are looking to serve Not looking to benefit off those around us. Not looking for the greatness that the world would have to offer. Not viewing greatness in that world. And not coming to a place where we are dry. But knowing that when we have your living water flowing through our lives. That we are empowered and filled and ready and made holy and sanctified and continue to be sanctified. Becoming more like you Lord. Help us to become more like you, so that we may be people who serve. We thank you, Jesus. You know, you might be tuning in today and you don't have a relationship with God. Let me, um, I guess let me share with you my story. I became a Christian when I was about 16, 15, 16. And it's a decision that changed my life. It's a moment where you realize that the creator of the world didn't have one of you, he wanted one of you, and so he made one of you. It's pretty significant. But then he goes beyond that. Things started to get messy. You and I mess up. And so he sent his son, and I briefly touched on it, about the blood of Christ. And it's through his blood that we are made holy. That no matter what we've done, no matter how much filth is in that cup, that Jesus said, man, take this cup from me, the sins of humanity, that it was through his sacrifice, his once and for all sacrifice, that we are able to be in relationship with the one who created us. And truly, it's a beautiful journey. It's an incredible journey. It's a a journey made up of seasons, of moments. It's certainly not just one moment that takes place. It's like you meet the Lord, you meet Jesus, you accept him, as your savior and as your Lord, and you start to walk in relationship with him and there is so much fullness. It is in fact where fullness of life is found. And so if that's you today, you're saying, I don't have a relationship with God, or maybe you once did, but you've walked away. I would love to pray a prayer with you. And by praying that prayer, you're inviting Jesus into your heart. You're acknowledging him for what he did for you so that the blood that he poured out can then be poured out over your life kind of like getting in the slipstream of someone who's cycling you know and life is just made easier it's like you get to just jump in that slipstream of the sacrifice of Jesus where you can take part in what he did for all of humanity it's a beautiful picture and from there you start to walk and journey with him and by praying that prayer you're inviting him into your life to be lord and savior and then we together will journey with you on this Uh, this relationship this um, wild ride called Christianity and so I'm going to say a line of the prayer and if that's you today you want to pray this prayer and get right with God then I encourage you the the Bible talks about professing confessing Um, and so through this prayer we are praying out loud and and confessing that Christ is Lord and, uh, and so it's a powerful, powerful prayer. And so I'm going to say a line of the prayer and I, I encourage you to say the line out loud and as you pray this prayer, truly believe it from your heart and then we're going to give you some next steps after that. But the prayer goes like this. Dear Jesus, I thank you for what you did for me on the cross. I come to you today and I ask you, would you forgive me of my sin? wash me clean, make me new, and I thank you that you do. Today, Lord, I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. And every person said, amen, amen. Hey, listen, if you lifted up your hand today, there's a little button over in the chat that you can click just to say, hey, that was me, and one of our amazing hosts would love to just connect with you and make sure that we can help you on the journey. Like I said, it's a, it's a once and for all moment, but then we continue to go on the journey of just becoming better people, more like Christ, and we want to help you and empower you on that journey. So much love, everybody. We, uh, next week, are gonna be online only, and the incredible Eden is going to be preaching. It is her first time preaching at local church, full message, and so we are really, really, really excited about that. So do everything you can. I know it's a long weekend, but do everything that you can to tune in, be a part of that Sunday, especially because that is our Sunday, the one Sunday right before church camp. So next week, we'll see you all online And the weekend after, it's going to be amazing. Church camp is about to happen. Jesus is going to be with us. The Holy Spirit is going to fall in this place, in that place. And we are going to have the best of the best time. Cannot wait to see you all face to face in a few weeks at camp. God bless. And we'll see you online next week.